The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. Talk is me. All right, welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pod of thunder and rock and roll. Happy Friday to you. And my new book is almost here. No is a four-letter word. Comes out August 29th. 20 principles on how you can achieve all the goals and hopes and dreams in your life like I did. Uh, it's out August 29th, but you can order it now at my Amazon store, amazon.com slash shop slash I am Jericho. 20 principles, like I said, of how I made my dreams come true and how you can do it as well. It's going to help you uh, live the life you want to lead. Pre-order it now, amazon.com slash shop slash I am Jericho. I will be reading an excerpt from it uh, maybe next week. So, uh, Also, if you haven't downloaded the new Podcast One app, what are you waiting for, man? Just hit uh, the App Store or Google Play. Download the app and start watching all the cool 360 uh, VR videos. Over a thousand of them on the app. You'll feel like you're right here in the studio with your favorite podcasts. And the app also lets you interact with other podcast fans and access behind-the-scenes content. Really cool. Not another podcast app like it available, to be honest with you. So download it and get to exploring all the cool special features. All right. Coming up today, making their podcast debut. I got Breezango. That's right. Tyler Breeze and Fandango. Fandango. You're going to hear how this crazy tag team came together most randomly. How they both got involved in Southpaw Regional Wrestling, one of my favorite activities that I've done in a while. Uh, if you haven't watched the series, go check it out online. New episodes are going to be released momentarily. Season 2 is coming up. Clint Bobsky, uh, Bobsky will be there. Uh, Breeze and Fandango also talking about their WWE tryouts, getting signed to NXT, developing their respective characters, their favorite matches, the do's and don'ts of stinky gear and personal hygiene on the road all sorts of fun stuff and let me tell you one problem that Fozzie does not have when we tour is stinky gear and no issues with hygiene we have a very clean wardrobe case uh, and speaking of the road we are out to uh, to rock you we have uh, a bunch of shows coming up on the Judas Rising tour here in the United States out with Gemini Syndrome and the Stir uh, starting off in Minneapolis at 93X Fest then 26 it's the last train to Clarksville Tennessee Fort Wayne Indiana Columbus Ohio Detroit Michigan Libertyville Illinois, Janesville, Wisconsin, Buffalo, New York, Wilkes Bar, Pennsylvania, Worcester, Massachusetts, Wilmington, Delaware, uh, Wilmington, Delaware. Yeah, that's it. Wilmington, Delaware. Winston Salem, North Carolina. Is it Wilmington, North Carolina? Are we doing Wilmington, Delaware, and Wilmington, North Carolina. Is that true? It's uh, it could be a typo, but um, check it out and let me know and tell me what you think if it's real or not. 
Yeah, that is not a coincidence. Uh, that is not a typo. Wilmington, Delaware, and then Wilmington, North Carolina. There you go. And Winston-Salem, that is the Judas Rising Tour in the States. Then we're going to Europe. Dublin, Belfast, uh, Chester, Manchester, London, Sheffield, Glasgow, Newcastle, Birmingham, uh, Amsterdam, Aschaffenburg, Proteln, Roncade, Rome, Vienna, Munich, Essen, Hamburg, Genk. All of these shows uh, featuring the best VIP meet and greet uh, in the business. We have a pre-show mini concert for all of you VIPs. You get to see us play before we play. And the Fozzie VIP experience is available at FozzieRock.com. Uh, come rock with us, okay? Speaking of rocking, let's keep Judas at number one on the Sirius Octane uh, Begins Countdown for the fourth week in a row. It is for the three, three weeks now. It's been number one. Uh, congratulations to us. Thanks for all the support. And we're also a top 20 at Active Rock Radio charting at number 20. So we have a top 20 single, guys, and a number one satellite radio single. This is Judas by Foz right here on Talk to Jericho. You are beautiful on the inside. You are innocence personified. And I will drag you down and sell you out. Run away I'm cold like December snow I have carved out this soul made of stone And I will drag you down and send you out Embraced by the darkness I'm losing the light Encircled by demons I fight What have I become? 
Talk is Jericho. All right, so I'm here with uh, one of the uh, most popular teams right now amongst the uh, most my friends, Breezango, which of course is the amazing amalgamation of Tyler Breeze and Fandango. How did you ever think of that name? Breezango? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Quite the story, actually. Dango, go ahead. Um... I think we were thinking Fubri's right out the gate, right? I mean, yeah. oh yeah, it's kind of there. It makes yeah. more sense, right? Yeah. yeah. Trying to get some free uh, Febreze so we can spray our gear down, but I think was it right from Vince, right? Yeah, he loved uh, he loved the name and uh, he loved kinda, Breeze Angle. He loved it. That was that was coming right from him. Yeah. So then you know what? We we love it too. Did you? I mean, it's actually the best name I've ever heard in my life. Did you ever hear why uh, Febreze wasn't used? Uh, I'm assuming copyright, you know, restrictions like that. You know who's a big Febreze user is Kane. Wow. He will Febreze the shit out of his uh, stinky uh, entire house. Yeah, yeah, everything out of his house. (laughs) I would take um, disinfectant spray on European tours with me, Mm -hmm. and I would spray it all down on my my gear after matches when I remember to take them out of my bag if I wasn't drinking that night, which would happen (laughs) for a while. What? Classic, classic what? Just about every night, yeah. 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 So yeah. when I actually remember to bring the gear out of the bag and spray it down, I was uh, spraying my gear down with disinfectant. But what I, didn't, what I didn't realize is that you're not supposed to spray that on your skin. So uh-huh. it's, you know, spray your couch down or whatever when your dogs pee on it, but you're not supposed to spray it down and then, you know, rub it against your crotch or your legs after when you're wearing long <laughs> tights. So I'm getting little red dots all over my legs when I'm getting back from these Europe tours, and I'm like, what the hell? You know, Skin's just slowly dying off. Yeah, so... Bed bugs or I don't know, but it, and then my girl's like, "No, you can't rub this stuff all over you." And, you know, you're dousing, you're getting back to the hotel room and racing down to catering to drink. So, you know, if I remember to take it out, I'm in there just, you know, spraying it down. Right, and right, right. So, I Febreze would have been a lot better than must have been. Yeah, <laughs> full circle there. Yeah. Quick question, world. That's your smelliest gear uh, you've ever encountered. Uh, and I'll throw out. Feed there. me more. Oh, really? I back. Smelly gear? Uh, I was going to toss an Eric Rowan janitor suit I didn't, in there. Now, Ryan, nice. yeah. Ryan, if you're listening to this, I love you. <laughs> I really do, but the, was his, uh, his uh, hand things, his uh, gloves, gloves, the gloves. gloves. I don't yeah, think they yeah. were gloves or like MMA gloves. Or, they were almost like weightlifting gloves, yeah, old school. Yeah, fingers I, cupped. I, it's that hockey know. glove smell. Yes. Yeah, I love you, bro. I love That's you, right. dude. I love you, bro, but your 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 hands are stinky. You know those never got washed either. Yeah, I love you, man, but you had stinky hands, so whatever. Let's move on from it. That's guys can guys yeah. can say that. What know, about you, like back I, in the day? I would say, well, Mark Henry at one point, yeah. but I also love the whole thing, like like singlet and everything, uh, or knee pads. Oh, uh, maybe. And Mark will even tell you this. This is probably about 2000, 2001. Rather wear a, a ski suit, Galveston cat piss, <laughs> where where it's full on, like the, the, where the gloves are. Attached to the, yeah. to the, to the yeah. like I can't even get out of it. That would be worse than yeah. better. And like <laughs> going back to my disinfectant story, um, <laughs> the reason why I brought it is because the tour before I, you know, I you get on the bus after a show, you drive four hours, maybe you have a couple drinks, maybe you forget to take your gear out of your bag, and right. kind of sits in there overnight. Really sucks. Yeah, and then you wake up at the crack of five p.m. to get on the bus to get to do the show again. <laughs> you know. And maybe you wrestle again. Maybe you put the same stinky gear from the night before back into the same bag. And maybe you have another drink that night and forget to maybe take forget it. Again. So I'm actually was a stinky guy on a tour. And I think yeah. Roman's like, 
Amen. <laughs> You're the guy. So <laughs> that tour led to the disinfectant tour, which I my gear smelled better. Mm-hmm. But then I sacrificed by breaking out all of my legs by <laughs> dousing my, my, dousing my stuff. And, uh, well, you can actually wash it too, right? You can, you can yeah, yeah. But I mean... When you jump on a bus with a bunch of free oh, European gotcha. beer, you're thinking, yeah, 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 I'll clean my gear. And then when you get to the <laughs> hotel, that's the last. You know, you just run up to catering, drop your, you know, drop your stuff off, and then it's uh, it's go time. It's, it's like you said, it's like being the two Canadians here, Breeze and I, when you played hockey and didn't take your hockey gear out of the bag. Mm-hmm. The worst feeling in the world is when you open it, it's like, oh no, yeah. it's wet, still smelling, and hits you with that. Even if you did, and you try to wash anything on it within one little wear or whatever, right it's right back. back to that it's right back. And then when I went to Hart Brothers Wrestling School in 1990. Uh, they had a contract for us to sign, and on that contract it said one of the rules was you always had to make sure that your nails were clipped, that your breath was fresh, and that you were wearing deodorant. Whoa. Really? So that was an actual Calgary rule. That's surprising. Cool. Then, they, then they went and shit at each other and shaved each other's eyes. Yeah, but as long as your nails were good, it was good. But even doing uh, indie shows up in Maine and around Quebec back then, you would wrestle, and then you leave your gear sweaty in the back of your car and drive to... Uh, another town mm-hmm. and then if you didn't take your stuff out it'd be frozen the next day I remember oh, I've done that yeah, a couple yeah, times yeah. where you know you're just a young kid and you're like yeah I'll leave my you know four guys in a hotel room at Super 8 and you leave your gear bag in the car and it's, it's 20 below up in yeah. you know Bangor, Maine or wherever and yeah, then you yeah. take your gear out the next day and it's all frozen you know from absolutely this, from you know what's the, funny though, I just I'm putting it together so we have three northern cats but from three separate you're east coast yeah your West Coast yep, coming yep. from Vancouver. I'm yep. right in the middle of Winnipeg. Yep. Yeah. So when you grew up, it's funny because we just did Southpaw Regional Wrestling, which we'll talk about more. But that really is so close to the wrestling that I used to watch when I was in high school. Like yeah. that Stampede wrestling. Yeah. For yep. sure. Yeah. What did you did you have something um, on that side? For me, I was a big tape collector, so mm-hmm. I would get the Power Pro uh, out of Memphis. I loved Power Pro because that back then that was kind of a feeder system for WWF. Right. So they had Brian Christopher. Um, I think the angle was down there for a little while. A lot of guys in Memphis that were uh, ripped around USWA time. Was were it going pre-FCW? Pre, I would say late. It was a 98, 99. Yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. of guys were going to Power Pro. And uh, it was like a studio shot TV show, which I, I really loved. And that was kind of my, I guess, self-pop. Very regional. cheap. Yeah. Cheap and it was a studio down. feel. And I just, I, I loved Power Pro Wrestling. You get uh, that? Uh, yeah, I loved it. What you, please? Uh, you know, it's kind of crazy, man, because I grew up just like small little town, and I had two channels growing Where up. Where did you grow up? Uh, Penticton, Penticton was the actual name. I love Penticton, yeah. by the way. Yeah, just you know, small little town, and I had just you know that box TV with the bunny ears on it, and I uh-huh. had two channels, two and seven, and. Uh, WWF was the only thing that came on. It was WWF Superstars on Saturday afternoon. And I, besides that, I had no clue that any other wrestling oh, even wow. existed. I didn't know about independence. I didn't know about anything. And uh, I slowly, we used to have like video updates where, you know, uh, like the blockbuster of where I was. And uh, you'd go there and you'd get this deal. And it was like seven seven movies for seven days for $7. And uh, Good deal. my family would go, we'd choose some movies, and I got to choose like two movies. And I would always choose like these random wrestling ones. But it would have these guys that I had no clue who they were. Like it'd be like Sting, Vader, and all these guys. And I go, they're not in WWF. Like I have no clue who these guys are. Or I'd play a, like a WCW video game, and I go, mm-hmm. I, this must just be like you know made up because I don't know who any of these guys are. And uh, I actually had a guy 
His name was Ralph. He would. Uh, he, Ralph. He, he actually got cable. He got not, cable. Not, not Ralph. Was, it was. Yeah. He was. Uh, you know, he was one of those Ralph guys. Works <laughs> yeah. He was one of those guys who he 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 had all the channels, so he'd record raw for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, one time he actually messed up, and he recorded an episode of Nitro. And all of a sudden, I'm watching. I'm like all my favorites on Raw, and all of a sudden it ends, and I see Goldberg against Raven for the U.S. title, and I go, "What is this? Like, who are these guys?" Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it, you know, it's not like I could just hop on the internet and be like, "Oh yeah, let's go check out right, this." Right, I was right. like, "WCW, that's a thing." And then I slowly like figured stuff out, but I was like the perfect fan of like, "Okay, you know, we'll watch this and then this," and then I had no clue about ECW, no clue about independence, no clue about anything. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. And then you know, it's just slowly you figure figure stuff out, figure stuff out, and it's like, wow, there's way much. So much more than I actually thought there was. Can I just do a quick segue of uh, Heath Slater's pronunciation of Penticton? Oh, every time I have this conversation. He did actually once say Pumpkin Town. So, our truth actually. You know, Canada or Breeze's When we were there, we actually, we've done one show there. WWE's only done one show there. Maybe ever. And, yep, ever. And our truth was on the show. And, you know, part of his whole thing is, hey, what's up, town, wherever we are? And he kept asking me, he goes, Pennington? Are we in Pennington? Penicillin. I said, no, no. And he could not get it right for the life of my life. Penicillin, what's up? Good luck, man. Good luck. Penicillin, what's up? What's up? Truth will butcher a town's name. Every time. Even if it's like St. Louis. Was it Australia, Austria? Yes. Did that, did that, did That's that a true story. Okay. That really yeah. happened. What's up, Austria? Mm-hmm. And we're like in Sydney. Yep. Austria. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. So when you guys, because we mentioned something that was interesting, because now obviously there's so much internet and so much ways to find out how to get into wrestling. You know, and, and you guys are a, a, a lot younger than me, but still came in at the time where you couldn't really just go online and find out. Like, how did you find out? What it was yeah. Um, for me, in terms of training? Yeah, just how you get started. Yeah. Um, there was a local company called Eastern Wrestling Alliance. They were actually... Um, they were on the MTV True Life. I want to be a pro wrestler. They, it was one of the uh, companies that was on there, and they started running local independent shows up around the Northeast and Maine, where I'm from. I think it was '98, '99. Tony Atlas was booking for them, mm-hmm. so I would go to the local shows, and you know, like you see the flyers. It was actually MTV that kind of like smartened me up to. Uh, independence or like wow there's other smaller they show shows trying to make it or something is that what it was they were doing a show about people trying to get gotcha. into professional wrestling gotcha. and, I, and I think they did different organizations mm-hmm. or they did Les Thatcher's um, was it HWA it's Heartland they had a kid trying to get in there they did Tony's promotion uh, up in the northeast in Maine which was mm-hmm. EWA and I think they did a couple other things and they followed the WWF around at the time so it was a documentary on MTV I think 98-99 and I'm like holy shit there's other smaller shows out there mm-hmm. and they actually were running in Westbrook, Maine where Scott Taylor's from mm-hmm. and we went to the local indie shows uh, and then I kept bothering one of the local guys who had a ring set up in his backyard and up in Buxton, Maine. And my buddies and I were, you know, wrestling in the backyard. And we just would drive to this guy's house and be like, hey, can we practice in your ring? And he's like, no, get the hell out of here. Like, <laughs> you know, it was like six kids on a little escort with the Jeff Hardy armbands on and ponytails. You know, and my buddy's car license plate says Luchador on it. Nice. And the guy, like, would see us pull up and just, like, lock the door and be like, no, nah, man, no. Nah. And then eventually he's like, um, I'm selling my ring to another guy named Larry Huntley. 
who was just breaking into the business. So Larry set the ring up behind his work outside in like Buxton. He ran like a fire extinguisher store. So there's a ring, like an old Mexican 16 by 16 wooden ring set up in the backyard. He's like, you guys can train. You got to sign waivers. Um, and then we just started training in, out in the mosquitoes. And, mm-hmm. and that's kind of how it started right there, you know, just... Get trained, and it's, it we didn't really know what we were doing. So uh, Steve Ramsey, who was Scott Taylor's tag partner on the Indies, uh, centerfold Steve Ramsey, and Scotty Tuhati were a tag team back in the late '80s. Scotty, I think, is Scotty signed in like '93, '94. He was, he, he time, was yeah. with uh, WWF from like '93, '94 to like '08. Mm-hmm. So Scotty, I think Scotty and Taker at one time maybe like. Um, Bob Holly, or maybe like he was in oh, the yeah, top. Yeah, he the was in the top. Yeah, so Scotty was gone. Steve was still up in Maine, so Steve started training us, and then we just started taking bookings as kids. But we were so young, we were like 15 and 16. Right. My friends and I, so we had to wear hoods on the Indies because none of the promoters wanted to book us. Oh, wow. Yeah, so. What was your first wrestling name? The Portuguese Sun Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> because. <laughs> why not? You, know, you never heard of the Portuguese Sun Dragon? Yeah, why not? So we were running. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yankee Pro Wrestling would run New Bedford, Mass, in Fall River, Massachusetts, in the late '90s. So we, it was a big Portuguese market, and there's a lot of Portuguese people there. So mm-hmm. they're like, "We're going to be a babyface." <laughs> makes sense. Makes grab, sense. grab this hood. I can't remember who it was. I think um, some Mexican wrestler that we they probably bought the hood from like a flea market. You're going to be the Portuguese Sun Dragon tonight, and I was. Over. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> that Just trying cool. to do high spots, you know. <laughs> yeah, Portuguese high spots. Yeah. How yeah. about you, uh, Mine was a little different because, like, like Dango was saying, man, he knew about like the independence, and he knew about all this stuff. I grew up in Pennington. I, on the other hand, was like in a whole other world that had no clue. Like, WF was this huge thing that I had no idea how to even start to get and there. And Penticton is this beautiful city right next to Kelowna yep. and it's like on the, on, the, on the peach belt or right by the lake. Yeah, like the Okanagan Valley like is Okanagan. what they call it. It's all Home you know, of the wineries and orchards. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You grew up in paradise, man. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. It really is true. paradise. It's a beautiful yeah. place. Beautiful Which place. Place. is great, but it's also if you're trying to, you know, start a career somewhere, yeah. you have no clue where to start. Yeah. Right. So, you know, once I kind of started figuring stuff out, I was watching, you know, all this stuff. Uh, remember Beyond the Mat? Yeah. It comes out. Do and all, I? I, it comes out and all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, like a look into how it even starts so I start figuring this stuff out I see like WCW has like a power plant and like you have to go there and you train and you do it and I'm watching like they showed all the you know the squats and all this stuff and I go oh my god this is gonna be ridiculous and uh, I end up finding out somehow that WWE has like you know like the farm leagues or developmental or whatever you want to call it and at the time it was OVW and so I went okay if I go here, I can learn how to wrestle, and it's associated with WWE. So then, like that's how you—that's how you must do it. Right. And uh, but being Canadian, mm-hmm. no clue how to get a visa, no clue how to come down, no clue how to like—do I just go down and live, or like can I work or anything? So I started kind of doing some research, and no, you cannot just go down unless you have a bunch of money saved. So I started just saving money, like oh man, I gotta I gotta come up with like you know ten thousand dollars at least to go down there for this three months to train. And uh, I ended up calling somebody down there. I think her name was like Julie. Mm. And uh, I talked to her and I go, hey, like, do you guys have like uh, like a hotel or is there like apartments or is there like, you know, a place where people can stay? And she goes, no, that's all up to you guys. Wow, you yeah. got to pay the initial fee to get in and then nothing is really guaranteed from there. And as I'm kind of trying to figure this out, I'm, you know, just about to graduate. I'm trying to figure out what's my next step. And then all of a sudden Lance's, uh, Lance Storm school pops up. And it's literally right beside me, mm-hmm. and I go, "Oh, I, I don't have to do anything different. I can just literally drive my car over." And it's like twelve hours away, exactly, right? and, and live in Alberta and train with Lance, who you know is a great 
great teacher and great guy to learn from who literally was just he just finished in WWE at the mm-hmm. time and so you know why wouldn't I go there to learn and so then it just kind of seemed simple I graduated high school uh, in June or July or whatever it is and I moved over to Alberta in November started training in January what was your first wrestling name? Matthias Wild Ooh. Yeah, you should see my early uh, my early He's pictures. Wild baby, yeah man, <laughs> against the garage door. Like, yeah, it's cool. It's funny how like when you guys say like <laughs> Canadian towns, I just assume Penticton, uh, Calgary, and Winnipeg are right next to each other. Yeah, you know, but like when even when, like being friends with Jinder and you, yeah. like you guys and you know Victor from the Ascension, the road trips you guys would Dude, do so big. It's like yeah. you, you do like twelve, 12 hour road trips for Indies show. Like uh, Victor would be like, no, we yeah. do like we do one shot here, drive twelve hours, yeah. drive all the way back, and then they do the death tours too, which yeah. I, I think you probably did. Tours. Yeah, when so I you guys did some driving, man. When like, I first crazy. went to uh, ECW, we had a show in Philadelphia, and the next day the show was in New York. I'm like, well, what time are we leaving at? Like, you know, one a.m. Yeah. And I said, no, we're leaving tomorrow, like three in the afternoon. Yep. What? Yeah. You can drive from Philadelphia to New York in two hours? Yeah. I, had, I couldn't believe it because they're different states, but yep. Canada. And that, that was the good thing for the guys, like the reckless use, the Quackenbushes, oh, yeah, the yeah, guys yeah. that were in the Philly scene back then, you know, the hero, and then like punk coming over from mm-hmm. Chicago. That was kind of the mecca of the indies in the late 90s, you know, is right. being in the Northeast. So right. A lot of guys would kind of... Whether you move from Penticton, Winnipeg, or you know Portland, Maine, they'd kind of want to centralize themselves mm-hmm. in the New York, Philly area because there were so many indie promotions at the time yeah. getting press from PWI, yeah. and being a guy from way up in the the woods in Maine, you know, an hour and a half from Quebec or way where you're from, you seem like you know you're a lifetime that's, away from what's going on in that's magazines. Going on. That's yeah. the insane part about like you had like okay, you could go here, you're here. Well, you're doing, you know, kind of like, you know, like you said, PWI is covering these, all these independent... I mean, I was pretty far away, three, you know, three to yeah. four hours just to get to the closest show unless they were running Maine. But for you, we you were literally, you could have been, anyway. you know, in Anchorage for, I did, you know. dude, I did, uh, not the death tours, but I did Ernie Todd. And Ernie Todd... Is that in BC or is that... He was all over the place. He was okay. based out of Winnipeg. Oh, okay. But what he would do is he'd do Indian reservation shows. Mm-hmm. And so, you know... That's what the death tours are for anyone watching. Do Indian reservation, which yep. would be 24 hours from the next... All over the place. Yeah. And he would book them the worst places possible as far away as possible. So he would... I think I ended up seeing one of the things and it was like, okay, so they'd pay him, you know, three grand or five grand or whatever it was and he'd bring in six guys mm. and we'd set up the ring and then we would have three singles matches and a six-man tag. Wow. And he would book them. We... We were all based in Calgary, essentially, but we would start off, we'd go over to Winnipeg to meet up with him, and then we would have a show around Winnipeg somewhere, and then we'd drive back to Alberta, mm-hmm. then over to Ontario, wow. then back to Saskatchewan, cool. and we'd do kind of, it was all over the place, and it was literally show up, set up the ring, do the show, drive. Wow. And like, sometimes we'd have to load the, the ring into a little boat, and like, boat it across, and set it up <laughs> on some, you know, that you, oh, you yeah. know the places, what, it's hard course. there's run down little gyms, yeah. or whatever it is. And what were the tours that you could only do in the winter, because the lakes would freeze well, those, over? Those were like the reservation tours. Okay. You can only do them in when Wait, it was. I think you could maybe do them in the summer, but the roads would be so long to get. It's like there. ice road trucker shit, exactly. right? Yeah. Death tour was yeah. a little more north. I think. Death tour it was, was right all up there. northern Manitoba. Yeah, which could be in the. I never, I never did a winter one. I did a summer one. Okay. Which was bad enough because that's when all the mosquitoes were around. Yeah. So you know, your driving is different, but the mosquitoes are everywhere. Was the winter you just go straight across the ice? Yeah. Mm-hmm. For twenty-five years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. <laughs> Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Talk is Jericho. 
So how did you guys end up, end up in the WWE then, Dank? Um, I was working and training at Kowalski School in mm. 03, 04, and I was just doing indies up there, and I decided, I was, I was laying brick at the time doing construction, and I'm like, you know what? I'm not getting any better on the indies around here. Um, I saved up a bunch of cash and I just packed up my car one day. I think I was going around, you know, with like a breakup with a girlfriend. So I'm mm-hmm. like, you know what? F- this. And I'm going to give this wrestling. <laughs> yeah, it's my time. <laughs> or, or it's one of those deals where I'm in a serious relationship. Um, you're thinking about putting wrestling on the back burner. I've been wrestling indies from 99 to about 05, I think it was, up in the Northeast. And you start to realize you're spending more money to wrestle. You know, it's one of those ruts you're going through where you're having some right, bad matches right, right, or right. something. And you're just like, you know what, maybe it's time for me just to do 9 to 5. So I'm doing 9 to 5, laying brick up in Maine, doing roofing, just whatever, building houses in a relationship. And then, you know, I'm trying to put wrestling on the back burner. And it's just not working out. It's not mm-hmm. for me. And you know, I got the gypsy blood in me. So... I'm like, you can tr- if you truly love this business, you can try to get out of it, but like, uh, always come back. It's, it's like you always go back into it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And, and it's not like I was on the road full time scheduled. I'm, I'm working three shows a month, you know, four shows a month. I'm not running a full time. Yeah, it's indie, more, indie stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, you know what? Instead of this, I'm going to pack my stuff up, save some cash, and move down to McDonough, Georgia, which was at the time Deep South Wrestling mm-hmm. with Jody Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a couple friends down there, um, Mike Knox and Connor from The Ascension. I met them before a couple years back. They didn't really know I was coming, so I just kind of showed up. Uh, a friend of mine put in a word for me that was friends with Bill DeMont at the time. Like, hey, this kid's coming down. He doesn't have a contract. He needs a job at Applebee's. Can he join your <laughs> night school? To Jody. Nick Backer's dad, Jody Hamilton, yeah, Assassin. Yeah. Assassin. And so I just show up, knock on the back door, um, give him some cash. You're like, yeah, you can start training. But then I didn't have any place to stay, so I was kind of crashing in my car for a little while before my job started at Applebee's. And then one day, I think Ryan saw me, and he's like, Connor from The Ascension, he's like, hey, man, just come live with us. And some That's cool. Yeah, so he, he kind of took me in, and I was training with Bill during the day and going to work at night at Applebee's making 200 bucks a week and <laughs> snagging some shrimps and hiding by the hot <laughs> dumpster so I could put on size. What's that working at Applebee's? Um... It sucked, man, because I was waking up in the morning and doing 500 squats and mm. push-ups with Bill and doing training, and everyone else was getting out of practice and going to the you know Chinese buffet and mm. relaxing, <laughs> and I would have to get out and go to Applebee's and cook, because I got a cooking oh, job. Cook. Well, I, I, I took a cooking job so I could keep size on and eat for free, because I knew I wouldn't have any money. Oh, yeah, Carney. Yeah. That sounds carny. like you. Yeah, just putting steaks in my pocket and stuff. <laughs> I used to do when I worked at the pizza place uh, next to the close to my house is I would order a pizza, my favorite kind, about 20 minutes before I went into work. And the rule was if they don't pick it up in an hour, it's fair game. Well, this is George Johnson B. And I want a pepperoni ground beef pizza. I'll be there in 40 minutes. And then you get there, all this pizza. Oh, really? Nobody wanted it? What a dirtbag. <laughs> what, kind of, what kind of piece of shit yeah. would call and order a pizza and not come get it? Yeah, no kidding. I guess we have to eat it again. Yeah. Beautiful. It seems to happen every night. <laughs> every Shaker, time you're man. here. you got to stay away from him. What about you, Breeze? So I ended up going and training with Lance. Yeah. Uh, three month course kind of start to finish and at the end he would kind of give you you know like a hey you should continue or no nah, you probably should very continue. honest Lance if you know Lance he's very blunt which know, is says, which is cool. sorry to cut you off which is cool because a lot of guys yeah. in, including myself would just take <laughs> would just take kids money you know yeah. but that's cool of Lance because yeah. how many like Carney 
trainers and promoters I, I have you still ran think into. Lance is the best. Yeah, trainer. but that's that's we'll cool. I've never I've never heard that before. Yeah, but hearing that keep now, keep at it, kid. Keep at it. But like he'd pull out, tell you, man. But like, that's really cool, Lance, to actually not be a scumbag yeah. like a lot of you yeah. know indie guys out there just stealing kids' money. He was the best, man. Like he'd clue you in on like, hey, this is currently you know this is what they like, this is what they don't like. Mm. As far as I know, if it's changed, like this is the most recent thing that you should know about WWE and mm. about wrestling in general. Mm. And he goes, you know, he he give us talks about kind of money, you know, he give us talks about everything. Yeah. And um, really helpful. And at the end, you know, he kind of sat everybody down, gave them their evaluation, and he said, you know, hey, you can do, you know, kind of everything that you need to do. Um, you know, you're a smaller guy. You know, being Canadian, you're not really kind of hitting any demographic that they're, they, they're looking <laughs> yeah, for. He goes, small Canadian. Yeah, he goes, you're not, who's not related to anyone or whatever. Yeah, you know, right. you're kind of fighting the grain here, but, you know, if, if you want to give it a try, you know, I'm, I'm behind you. You can do it. So I said, okay. Uh, he ended up getting my, me my first booking, actually, in uh, Lethbridge. And I went down there, had my first match, and it kind of started from there. I was uh, wrestling, kind of doing the Cross Canada tours. Um, did that for four years. And it kind of was kind of the same as Dango. It was just kind of like the same, the same thing. You're not really... You're getting better because you're getting in the ring all the time, but you're not really advancing anywhere. It's just kind of like you know you're that you're that guy who mm-hmm. just keeps hanging out and you're you know hanging out with the other guys who have been wrestling for twenty Everyone's years and the haven't really done anything. Yes. And so finally, I thought, you know what, WWE is where I want to go. Uh, why not just go right to the source and you know see what they have to say? If they say, hey, we need you bigger, hey, you suck, you know, I'll go from there. And uh, I ended up going to an open tryout, and you had to pay your way down. In Orlando, uh, Tampa at the time. Okay, that's the same thing Ginger did. Yes, I was yeah. actually at the one. So really? Me and Ginger went to the same tryout. Okay. We end up paying. We go down there. There was uh, fifty guys, I think, at the first one. And right away, like I show up and I look and I'm like, man, there's some big guys here, and you know, they're this is going to be hard. There's 50 guys, and they guaranteed one contract at the end, uh, but they said we might sign some other people and everything else. We show up, we start doing some stuff, and as soon as the guys start moving, I'm like ruling guys out, like, okay, okay, I, definitely not him, not him, not him, and I'm like, okay, this is like. 20-ish maybe guys that are capable and that they're kind of looking at here. We end up doing stuff and, you know, we go through the whole three days, I think it was. And at the end, they, they give a contract to somebody and it was gender. And they end up signing them. I go, oh, man, that's cool. Like, I wrestle with them all the time, whatever else. I end up talking to uh, Steve Kern, Dr. Tom, uh, everybody who was down there at the time. And I said, you know, hey, uh, how'd I do? You know, wh- is what can I work on? Uh, and they said, hey, you did great. You know, it's, this is our first time seeing you. We just, just keep at it and everything else. So I said, okay, cool. You know, went back and started working and uh, was looking for the next tryout that they were going to have. And I think within two or three months, they had another one. And I asked Lance, I said, hey, you know, what do you think? Is it too soon? Should I go back down? And he goes, let me ask. And he ends up calling Norman Smiley. And he goes, hey, should he head back down? And Norman said, yes, definitely send him back down. So I end up paying my way. This was at the time I was working for CP Rail. And uh, I'm, I'm making good money. I'm, you know, I'm like 21, 22. And I'm thinking like, okay, this is the last of my money. And I'm asking for time off. So they're starting to get hot at me for yeah, asking for this time off. And I go, I need another three days. I'm going down to this tryout. And this is the last of my money. If if I don't get signed, like my credit cards are maxed out. I, I don't know. I'm, I, I guess I'm just going to sit here and work this job. I end up going down and there's 80 people this time. And I just look around and I go, oh, a thousand dollars each. Uh, How much did you pay each? It was fifteen hundred. Oh my gosh, fifteen hundred for, for the you, first Skinner. one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a lot of money. Crazy dude, fifteen hundred for the first one, fifteen hundred for the second one, plus your tickets down so, there, plus hotel. So you're smart. I'm gonna yeah. put you on the spot. It's fifteen hundred times eighty. Uh, a lot. So much. Yeah, lot yeah. So much money. Yeah, that's a couple of Range Rovers. Yeah, dude. Right? <laughs> so so we end up we end up going down. Yeah. yeah. First that's day good, I, first great. day I walk in, eighty guys, and I'm just looking and I go. Oh man, there's no way. There's not a not a chance. 
and we start doing the same thing. We do like one drill, and I start ruling everybody out. I go, nah, these guys, these guys can't hang. We're good, we're good, we're good. And uh, there was some weird little thing. After the first day, I ended up asking Steve. I go, hey, Steve. I said, how am I doing? And he goes, I don't want to say anything, but right now you're in my top five. I said, okay, that's that's good. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I'll take that. And uh, the next day, uh, Ty Bailey and Johnny Ace come down, and they're like the, hey, they're, they're saying yes or no. And so they come in, and uh, everybody, you know, kind of stands up a little bit, and they start trying extra hard, and everything's going on. And they end up, they're, they're standing there watching my ring, and we're doing something. It was some little drill. And Ty Bailey comes over, and he taps on my leg, and he goes, what number are you? And we had shirts with numbers mm-hmm. or whatever, and I go, ah, 80-something or whatever. So I see him and Johnny, and they're looking at me, and they're flipping through the thing, and they're kind of reading my thing. And uh, I run one, one little thing. And uh, I end up, my, my hair tie came out or something. And so I kind of like looking for my hair tie and I look over and Johnny's got my hair tie and he goes, here. And I looked at him and I kind of got this strange feeling of like, I think I just got hired. <laughs> like, like really weird, dude. Like I just went, I think that's it. In the time honored tradition. Very, very weird. It, it's funny. Like uh, I told you I went down to Deep South, but uh-huh. I didn't tell you how I actually got signed. Yeah, right, right. And what he just said reminded me. So Johnny and Ty come down and this is April of 07. This is probably two or three weeks right before they shut down Deep South and moved everything to Florida. So Johnny walks in with Ty, same, same situation. Thing, everyone's, you know, everyone's mm-hmm. just, best behavior. You know, yeah. you know, everyone's nervous. We got to do the matches, and you know, in front of an empty uh, arena where it's uh, you, you get the best match in the world, but it does. Yeah, it always seems like, it yeah. seems like you're doing horrible. You know. <laughs> But the same thing. They, uh, Johnny or Ty comes up. What's your name? Mm-hmm. Are you signed? No. I'm. You know, I come here and I train. Yep. And then I, you know, I'm one of the unsigned guys. I think there was just me and another guy named Seamus, not to be confused with the Irish this one, a guy from Montana. Um, so I'm wrestling a guy named Keith Walker from Chicago. Um, he lifts me up for a vertical suplex, and I had some cheap trunk, like indie trunks. <laughs> And he lifts me up and stalls me up there, and I'm putting myself up in a suplex position right now. Yeah. <laughs> and it pulls the side of my no. deal. I swear to God, yeah. And just my cash and prizes are just boom. <laughs> and guess what? I got signed. It's up. <laughs> then I got signed. But the rib is, the, the rib is I, I told Keith, I go, hey, man, we're going to work in front of these cats. Just pull my deal out, then I'm gonna get a deal. <laughs> Just pull my pull my stuff out, and I guarantee I'll get a contract. Yep, yep. you impressed them, dude. No, but at the time, I felt it out. We oh, finished the match, and I'm like, "This is it." I just yeah. wasted yeah. four months of my life, right. spending all this money. The girls just, you know, the girls in the training class just saw my deal. <laughs> the guy that's trying to sign me just yeah. saw my deal. Life's over, man. Life's so- over. Right. I'm. F- I'm yeah. man, I gotta work at Applebee's tonight. Life's over. But then he signed me, so I was like. Yeah. But you're, you're talking about yeah. you guys being a team. You guys both have such great uh, charismatic characters, and I want to hear yours. But let's talk about yours, Dango, because it was you and I that were involved yeah. right off the bat. Yeah, in yeah. your initial basically month or two months when you got here. Now yeah. let me predicate the story. Okay. I did Dancing with the Stars, and mm-hmm. I was talking to Vince during that time because I wasn't working here. And I tell him he talked on the phone. He's very interested by it. He goes, "Well, tell about the guys that dance there." I go, yeah, they're all like, man, they're really great athletes, and they're all great. And I go, they pick up all the girls. He goes, what? They pick up girls? He goes, I wouldn't think they even like girls. <laughs> I said, no, they, 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 they pick up all the chicks. He's like, oh, I never would have guessed that. And I could hear it in his voice that he really disliked the idea yeah. of a male ballroom dancer. Yeah. <laughs> Fast forward six months, whatever it was, here you are. So <laughs> this this 
I don't know if a lot, probably not a lot of people. I don't know if you knew this. Um, Hawkins and Rex were doing a stripper gimmick. Tyler, Tyler, Rex. Tyler yeah, Rex yeah, yeah, and yeah. Kurt Hawkins. Right. I think they debuted once on SmackDown. They did it maybe one, yeah, once. one or two things. Really? Maybe once they did a dance routine as like cops, well, cops, really? or firefighters or something. So, so, yeah, it's weird, man. Life. Um, yeah. But anyways, I, Rex ended up quitting. Um, so Hawkins comes up to me and goes, "Hey." Uh, would you be interested in doing this dancing gimmick? And I don't give a shit. I'll do anything. You know, I'm not. I'm not insecure about mm. going out there and making an ass. I'm like, yeah. I'm, and I'm not doing anything at the time. I'm just coming on the road and doing dark matches. So I'm like, dude, anything that gets me on TV, I'll do it. So I think Hawkins went and pitched it to them, and they're like, you know what? Um, that's a good idea, but let's just do it with Johnny Curtis at the time because Hawkins wasn't really into it. So mm-hmm. he wasn't really upset about not doing the stripper gimmick. So I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. So I was going down to NXT when they first started doing Full Sail, doing kind of a dick dancing gimmick. Fast forward a little bit, a couple of months later, now we're getting towards November, December of 2012. I think at the, around this time, Vince is having me come up and do dark matches as a stripper gimmick. And I think that sparks the idea around the end of 2012. Well, let's have him do ballroom dancing. So one one week I show up to NXT and Triple H is like, hey, um, they were sending me to stripper school, dancing school. Really? So nice. I'm, I'm going to uh, school to learn how to strip, which is kind of <laughs> weird. It's you know, whatever, you know, I don't have to explain it to you guys. But he's like, hey, um, don't do stripper school anymore. Go to ballroom dancing school. At the time I was moving to Houston. So I moved out there. And I'm going to ballroom dancing school at the time, just thinking that I'm going to do a ballroom dancing gimmick. Um, I haven't really been smart enough that you and I are about to do what we're about to and do. Nor, nor had I. No. So right. this is about November, December 2012, and we worked in April of 13. So right. I'm going to ballroom dancing school, doing European tours um, as a character that hasn't been debuted on TV yet. Um, as simply Johnny Curtis, the ballroom dancer with a rose in his mouth. <laughs> and then I think just one day, um, no, I, I debuted as Fandango. I'm doing the the deal where I won't debut unless they pronounce my name correctly. Is that Vince's name, Fandango? And Vince Vince came up with the name Fandango. And I think just one day I show up to TV and I think you had it backstage. I interrupted it and it was like February or 13 and we had what six to eight weeks to get ready. Uh, I don't even know if we even had that. I, I think we had. Because what happened? Uh, well, Feb- end of February to what? Yeah, maybe April. I think we had what, four weeks. Because what happened yeah. on my end was I was supposed to work with Ryback because yeah. he was really hot at the time. Yeah. And um, so I had made a deal with Vince for Ryback and then he changed his mind and I was pissed off because it was like, yeah. well, who am I going to be working against then? Yeah. Not this kid. He's great. And I was like, the Fandango gimmick? Are you kidding me? Yeah. So then, once yeah. I kind of got it in my head, I said, okay, now we have to make this work. We had four weeks. Yeah. And I remember the first week was when I was messing with your name because I wanted people to know what your name was. Yeah, yeah. And then we started working on your top rope leg drop every yeah. week. Yeah. Even some weeks they'd say, okay, this week you get on Fandango. No, no, no. He gets on me again. Everyone knows my shit. Yeah. They need to know his shit, yeah. right? Yeah. I remember you, you started trusting me so much you would take it face down yeah which is which is pretty which is pretty like he he would take it um i would lay him out um and you'd lay it face down and take it which is is pretty ballsy but the cool thing was though is that after the after the wrestlemania was done yeah the next night yeah uh the monday night raw crew uh, Mm -hmm. from wherever the fuck they're from were going nuts 
for Fandango. I think your your song was top ten in the UK charts. Yeah, yeah. We were all doing your dance, chanting your name, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And at the after that show, I, I went in the parking lot. And everyone was singing your song. I called Vince and said, "Listen to this." Yeah, so you just got a new baby face on your hands. I know. So over, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Did I you feel that as it was going? I I did, and I, you know, I, I didn't I didn't want to get. I didn't want to get too excited because it's that I knew that it was that post mania crowd. So I knew that we were doing SmackDown in Boston the night after New York. So I go, you know what? If they're really into it, I think you worked the match. I interfered when I was standing ringside that night. Yeah. And I remember the Boston crowd wasn't as crazy as New York. So I go, you know what? It's that post mania crowd. They were still into it, but like, mm -hmm. don't don't get too excited yeah, about yeah, this. Yeah, but yeah. I. I um, yeah, I give a lot of credit to you for that because I think we, you know, we were given, we, we were given, we were given a tough deal with a short period of time, and with a guy who I, never I mean, wrestled, think never I, seen you. it's easy. I always say it's, and I think Regal told me this. It's easy to go out and pretend to be a tough guy in the ring, but it takes a real tough guy to go out there and pretend you're a sissy. I mean, really. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah, that makes yeah. sense. I mean, it's great. I could go out. I mean, if I if I can go out and pretend to be a flamboyant ballroom dancer, which I was the most like, I was more nervous about remembering my dance routine. Mm -hmm. My, and my debut at WrestleMania with a bunch of Russian dancers than I was about the match because that was so foreign to me yes. is, is trying to I remember the first night I came out and you even pulled me aside because you were you've done some dancing and you're like hey you gotta and it's just I was more insecure because I was comfortable in the ring but the dancing and getting that character down which was really we kind of just did it really quick you know it kind of yeah. came out of nowhere so like I'm trying to figure this shit out on the fly but um, I, I I don't. I don't think that we we did bad at all. I think we did. I think I, I, you know, I, that next night with the reaction, yeah, you know, was like, the whole arena, man, the whole yeah. arena. You know, how about you, Reese? Because your your character is also borderline. You know, if you could say the word gay or whatever, it's just very it's very flamboyant to where what is this guy? You know, what yeah. is his sexuality here? And that, well, that was kind of the goal too of like making it right on the fence of like you don't know if he's into guys, girls. He's into himself is essentially mm -hmm. the thing. Did you get that from anybody or was the idea? so it was kind of a, it was a whole thing. Thing, man like I think at the time I was down in um, FCW I was down in Tampa I was down in developmental for like four years and it was kind of like a do or die kind of thing of like hey man nobody cares about Mike Dalton which was my character at the time and Mike Dalton Mike Dalton and he was just this you know fighting baby face you oh. know tan blonde hair whatever Ooh. I can do a drop kick it's cool yeah. uh, nobody cared nobody cared about it we weren't using it for anything it was just you know hey we need somebody to go out there and get beat up cool Taz Dalton in there mm -hmm. And uh, it was an evaluation that I had that I just kind of got ripped apart. And it was like, whoa. I knew, like, things weren't going that well, but I didn't know it was like, hey, man, we're going to fire you. Wow. And this was also, granted, this was like the third or fourth time that, like, mm -hmm. it was like, a, hey, we're going to fire you. And by some miracle, I, I just held on. I was like the cockroach of FCW, <laughs> man. Um, FCW Fanaki? Kind of. Kind of. <laughs> dude, it was very weird. Um, so at this time... I end up just going, okay, I need to, you know, I'm getting fired. I end up telling Xavier Woods, who I was living with at the time, and I go, hey, man, I said, they're getting rid of me. And he goes, no. He goes, well, he goes, if they are, he goes, let's just make like a last-ditch effort of like, let's give them everything you got. He goes, well, I'll come over, and he's he's a, he's a, if you know anything Super about Woods, creative. he knows everything, and yeah. he knows everything. At the time, he was messing around with Photoshop for fun, and he knew how to put all these videos together. He knew how to do all this stuff, all this editing, everything. And uh, so he goes, he goes, just come up, take the day, come up with uh, 
like 10 different characters, everything. He said, just come up with different looks, different names, different everything, and we'll just make these like little vignettes and send them in. And uh, I think at the time, actually, I got a staph infection. So I was, I was out for like three weeks. And mm-hmm. so I go, I'm gone for three weeks. And when I come back, I'm getting fired. So I ended up going home, come up with like 10 characters, all different, ranging from like some French dude who's this crazy painter and all this other stuff. And uh, we ended up filming three. <laughs> dude, it was not. French dude's name? I think he was just called Pierre. The Crazy Painter. <laughs> that was it. That was it. The Crazy Painter. Um, which we never filmed for him. Man, so you were sitting on a winner. Dude, who knows, <laughs> man? Fashion uh, police and here comes the painter. Dude. Um, so I end up coming up with three different ones, and uh, he comes over, and we go out in Tampa, and we start filming. There was like a darker version of Mike Dalton, who was like, you know, I don't know, it was like I was like knocking over stuff, and like I was bad or whatever. Uh, so we did that one. I actually thought it was kind of cool, but you know, there wasn't much substance to it. Uh, I did one for Tyler Breeze, which I kind of based on like initially it was Zoolander. And it was like, uh, you know, he's just going to be this kind of like this. I've seen all these people come in for tryouts and I'd seen models come in and I'd seen athletes come in and they go, ah, oh, wrestling's easy. I can do that. And I've heard people say this, like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I can do that. That's easy. And I've actually heard people because I'd helped Norman Smiley train some people. And I would hear them say like, oh, yeah, you know, I watch Raw and Tuesday Night Smashdown all the time. And I just go like, man, they have like no clue. And it's kind of, it's kind of funny, man. And uh, so I was like, I was like, man, I tried, like, I tried, you know, wrestling and, you know, I could do all these moves and I could do this and I could do that. Why don't I go the complete opposite and just be like this know nothing who just goes, man, this is easy. I can do this. And who knows, doesn't know a headlock, doesn't know any wrestling whatsoever. And uh, I go, that's going to be Tyler Breeze. So I ended up filming that one, and there was uh, some other one that we did, a snowboarder named Kale Cove. He was going to be real cool. Uh, <laughs> dude, real cool. Um, cool Kale Cove. Dude, he was best. So, Wait a minute. I'll tell you. I got no books of this stuff. Yeah. Um, but so we ended up filming the Tyler Breeze one, and as we're doing it, we start having a blast with it. And the initial video is like really funny. It's just me like not even really getting interviewed or being like, whatever. Like I don't know what's happening, and I spray myself in the face with hairspray and all this stuff and uh, we end up finishing and me and Woods just start laughing and we go man that's our favorite one so they're definitely not going to pick that one and I end up sending them in to you know everybody whose email I had and the only person who got back to me was Dusty and he goes he goes hey you might have something with this Tyler Breeze one let's talk when you get back and uh, I end up, you know, I'm out for two, three, two, three weeks, whatever it was, and I come back, and he goes, uh, he goes, let's let's start doing promos as this, and just kind of messing around with it, and seeing if there's anything to it. Really, it was the only one that anybody liked. They thought it was kind of funny. I, I came up with these promos where I'd mess up everybody's names, and I was mm-hmm. I was looking for a friend, team partner, and all this stuff. Like I had no <laughs> clue about anything, and uh, I did these like fun little promos, and it kind of just started catching on. And uh, Bill Demont was in charge at the time, and he goes, "Hey, we want to, you know, let's let's do this. Let's test it out on a show." And I said, "No." I said, "I don't want to go like Mike Dalton in like." just different gear and whatever. I said, I want to wait till my name is Tyler Breeze. I want different music. I want it, I want it to have a completely different feel than everything mm-hmm. else. And he goes, okay, okay. So I had new gear ready. I had music ready. I had all this stuff ready. And then finally, when it was all ready to go, we started with it. And then they fired you. It, it was close. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I, I started kind of doing some shows. They liked it. It was, uh, it was, you know, it was starting to, starting to work. And uh, I think Triple H ended up getting kind of an, uh, some eyes on it, and we said, "Hey, let's use this on NXT." And uh, I had a, like a little hand mirror at the time, like a like a little makeup mirror. And he goes, he goes, "Oh, that's kind of '80s. Like it's kind of like we've done that." Yeah. And he goes, "I think the selfie thing is really big right now. Like, why don't we switch it to a phone, and then we can you could take selfies all the way to the ring." 
I go, yeah, that's cool. I'm like, let's do that. So I end up debuting and it just kind of started rolling from there. Like the production team was like, oh man, we can put it up on the Tron. We can do all this stuff. And it just became super fun. And, you know, I really... You know what's funny about it is I've said this before. I know you're a Steel Panther fan as well. It's total Lexi. Uh, Lexi Big time. Yeah. Big time. bass player yeah, of yeah. Steel Panther, yeah. which you kind of look like. And it's the same story with them as they were at their wits end as a band. They'd been in a million different bands. Nothing was sick and they just said, screw it. We're just going to be, become a parody of an 80s band. Really? This is our last F chance. Nothing's going to ever happen in our careers. Yep. End up with the biggest thing that gets done. It's funny so just hearing your story is like, it's like almost when your best work comes out as a performer and artist is when you... You almost like stop caring as yes, well. Yes, exactly. you and WCW. Exactly. Yes, I'm like this point. guy is having fun. That's a great. And I remember point. being just Johnny Curtis in Florida and just generic promos, mm-hmm. generic guy, generic wrestler, mm-hmm. and it's just really uncomfortable trying to portray yourself. Mm-hmm. But then when you start doing this character, Fandango or Tyler Breeze, yep. promos become easier. You're having fun. It's easier to go out there and make an ass out of this character. It's harder to go out there and just be yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, and like seeing you in WCW, I remember as a kid, um, this guy's having fun, you know, with the hair and the bodyguard. And I remember that because if you weren't just almost saying, it and you were just Chris, right? You know, yeah. like people wouldn't connect it as much. I think, you know, what I'm saying, like you almost like Absolutely. said, you almost said, screw it. Let's I just, did say, screw if yeah. you watched the 17 months pre- uh, previous to that, when I was doing nothing, I was just, just busting your ass, faceless. yeah. Loser boy. Yeah. That's why I didn't Mike Dalton, dude. Johnny Curtis, yeah. Mike Dalton. It, it's the same the original thing. Original Lionheart, Chris Jarrett. Exactly. That one day I was so frustrated. I did this with my hair, really long hair, and I'm, I'm like, you know, rubbing it up and down. And I looked up in the mirror, it was greasy, and it stuck straight up. Yeah. I just walked out like that. And, and, get, and, and, and I remember that right remember now. It, right? Yeah. right now. Yep. That's know? the reason why. I was but like, if this you, is so stupid. If you were all nervous and had that hair <laughs> yeah, perfect. Yeah. And you wanted to go out and have this perfect match and look perfect. I probably wouldn't remember that awesome arm drag you did, but I remember your ridiculous hair. Yeah, exactly. That, that's how that's how crazy this yeah, business yeah. is. We'll right. probably we'll probably be remembered for some dressing up as cops. Yeah. you know, like it's, it, dude, that's, it's really re- like that's the, wrestling. And it's, it's really weird, like you know? the yin to the yang. Like everything that I can't do in my personal life, Tyler Breeze can do and does. <laughs> that's right. So it's right. kind of cool. Yeah. It, it like completes you as a weird like. But let's thing. talk about this. When you guys were, you guys came and went. You both had ups and downs, and then they put yeah. you together, and you can tell this is the most fun you're having. Yeah, in yeah. In the fine tradition of uh, the New Age Outlaws, just two dudes they put together. Mm-hmm. New Day put yeah. together two dudes. You got nothing yeah. going on. Next thing you know, you get this chemistry. So how was this put together for Zango? Um, it was, it was April April of last year around European tour time, I believe, mm-hmm. to April 2016. Um they were we were doing a deal where it was at Goldust. Um, it was Gold, I, I was with Truth, and you were with Goldust. Yeah, and they're like, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we both turned on our partner and worked a program with Goldie and um, with Goldie and Truth, and then we just. I think it was pretty much. Hey, these two guys aren't doing anything. We, we, we need were, someone. We need someone for Goldie. We were very much the work. other side of the important part. <laughs> so we were it two was, guys we put together. The joke. We were right, the butts right, of the right. joke to the funny guys. Yeah. And then um, fast forward a few months later, we worked with them, did some funny skits. Brand split. They stay on Raw. We yep. go to SmackDown. So now that's that was kind of the origin of us is working with those two. Now we're over here on SmackDown. Mm-hmm. 
And when was the draft? July-ish? July-ish. July ish? July, yeah. About a year ago. Now. So now we're we're on SmackDown, and we weren't really doing, doing too much. Doing nothing. We weren't really doing too much for a while. Yeah. We were, uh, we were actually doing nothing, and then like just random little things here and there, but not TV, no nothing. And uh, you end up hurting your knee. Yeah, yeah, I had meniscus surgery mm-hmm. in October of sixteen. And so right away, I was like, I was like, okay, well, like now, what are we doing? Like, I don't know how long Dan goes out, and like it, we, it was funny because at the time we hear anywhere from he's out for two weeks to sixteen weeks. Oh. And so I go, well, yeah. what should we do? And uh, one of the writers actually sits down. And he goes, he goes, let's start, you know, just coming up with some stuff. And for whatever reason, he mentioned something about fashion police. And I went, well, oh, that could be, like we could pull that off. Mm-hmm. That could be kind of funny. But like, how do we get there? Like, what do you do? And uh, so Dango, I think, was gone for maybe a, a TVs or two. Like, you weren't gone for long. Yeah, I came back in four weeks because uh, I'm a badass. But I, but I thought, like, all right, let's get I this started. I want to miss the European tour because it's a it's <laughs> <Mr>. brother time. <laughs> That's a shit. Exactly I honestly it. told my exactly rehab it. people, uh, hey, man, we got <laughs> – it was like October and we were leaving for Europe at like the 1st of November and I'm like I need to make this Europe tour because <laughs> yep. all the guys are going over and they got beer on the bus yep. you yeah, can't I miss can't it. miss it so I came back like 2 or 3 weeks early just to make the Europe yep. tour remember just a brother. <laughs> we, we did it was uh, so you know we have WWE.com which you know some guys utilize some guys don't utilize but you really kind of have carte blanche on there you, you can go on there and do whatever you want and, uh, and that's that's a good thing and that, that's that's a good point for Breeze is I would get frustrated after working with you and kind of not doing things instead of just sitting yeah. in the back bitching about not being on TV Breeze being proactive kind of dude let's shoot some promos this doc like they'll do them they'll whatever do you want right. And like to not take advantage of that, and that was on me. Just sometimes people just sit around. It's or easy they, they to tweet. do that, though. It's easy uh, to I'm not on TV. Oh, I'm yeah, gonna, yeah. You know what? If if you're not on TV, um, get on TV. Yeah. Do something about it. You know and, what, you dude? Know, I, I, I I hate that along shit. Along the same you know? lines, we're talking about a lot of similarities. In '96, '97, when I was the nameless, faceless baby face that never got promo time, instead of hanging all day in catering mm-hmm. or whatever yeah. the hell we did, I would go sit. They used to have this thing called the promo box. Yeah. And it was where they would do localized promos back in the day, right? Yeah. And Tech we're coming to your town. Yeah. Me and Gene and a cast of characters, whatever it was, Sting, Arn Anderson, Luger, you know, whoever. Yeah. They would come and I would just sit in the back and watch them all. That guy's great. He's okay. That guy sucks, whatever. And lo and behold, one day Luger didn't show up because he went to the gym. Like, what about this guy? He's always here. Me? Yeah. Sure, I'll do <laughs> one with you, Lee Marshall. And it sucked. Yep. But next time they gave me two. Yeah. And that's how I learned how to do promos because I didn't want to just sit around and wait for somebody. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's weird. It's very easy to fall into like the you're entitled and it's like, oh, yeah, they, yeah, they, they you know come what? up with something for me and if they don't, them, yeah, man, and I, you know? you know, I was guilty of doing that myself, having the boo boo face. Everyone, and, you know, before you came into the yeah top level, and right? then yeah. you know, and I wish I could go back and have the mindset that I have now back mm. then. So instead of sitting around being bitter. Dude, there's there's these cameras, and then Breeze and I get together, and we just start shooting promos because what do we got to lose? Yep. And it was fun. Dude, and we're doing on the fly promos about being sexy cops. Remember that? We came like, up with like Saturday Night Live skits. Yeah, like, yeah. hey, let's not even worry about wrestling. It was when Dango was out. It was like, okay, I'm looking for Dango. Well. Obviously, if I'm looking for him, I'm, I'm going to be a cop. I'm a, I'm a detective. I'm figuring out what's happening. Yeah. So I'm looking for him, and then he's back the next week. So then all of a sudden, I'm looking for him. I'm desperate for him. And then he just goes, hey, man, I've been around. And I go, oh, thank God. 
God, you're okay. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, I'm, 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 I'm in the dumps. I'm, I need to be cheered up. Who's there? All of a sudden, the curtain's open, and Dango's found his and own cop both. outfit. <laughs> yeah. And now all of a sudden, I go, I'm getting mine, dude. I'm going to go get mine. So now we just kind of keep rolling. Just and keep shooting the dot-coms, and then eventually... Um, so they, people saw them. And, uh, they the liked them. Team, yeah, said, the, the writers liked them. And they're like, why don't we throw these on SmackDown? Yep. And then we just started... So that's a great lesson for everybody in, myse- in myself is um, if you don't like where you're at, in life or wrestling, just do something. Do about something it. about because, it. Because, you know, man. I'm not pointing the finger and saying that I didn't do it myself, sit around, but, like, I, it kind of irritates me now that people that aren't on TV, yeah. mm-hmm. it's like, dude, Why should you be used who, who has ever tweeted being bitter about not being booked and them looking at it and go... You know what? They're 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 upset. They're not on TV. Yeah, but we better we better put them on. Can you imagine having another you know? job or something yeah. somewhere, and you'd yeah. be like, "Man, I got the night shift today." And yeah. you tweet it out, yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. you come to like, "What are you job doing? again?" Yeah, like, what are you talking about? Yeah. If you're an actor and your job yeah. is to you know get shot in the in the movie, yeah. you get shot. Yeah. yeah, I got shot again. How many times are gonna die in this yeah. movie? Let's write a petition to you know. Yeah, 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 come yeah, yeah, yeah. on, man. So yeah. did you get a lot of input from from Triple H and Vince on this on this? This is right up Vince's alley as far as the entertainment side. Initially, it was just. Just kind of us doing those dot coms with the you know just having fun and once they kind of put on smackdown we did a couple things here a couple things there and we actually got helped out a lot by just some random people you know here and there like um miz miz helped us he, he yeah. always he's always you know being proactive and filming stuff and he goes right. i want you guys in this so we get more eyes on yeah. us there uh you know john and nikki actually really wanted to they, they go man I, I don't know why they're not using you guys yet like you guys are funny and you're doing this stuff super entertaining yeah so yeah. all of a sudden we roll around to the time where i dress up like nikki bella and you know Dango's yeah. wrestling Cena out of nowhere and we yeah. have a promo and he's wrestling yeah. Cena and I'm wrestling Nikki and then you know they're going to beat us up and that was strictly because they go hey we want to help these guys yeah, out yeah, yeah. and you, yeah. you can't you can't buy that type of help from people you know like those guys are saying hey we just as a them. segue I did pitch a, a segment for us tonight backstage but I don't think it's going to happen but I did pitch but it still, that's, you know it would be fun <laughs> yes yeah. You know, yeah. how fun would it be? Because yeah. you guys, that's what the business is. Yes, it's about great matches, but it's also about characters that connect with, with the audience. Yeah. Like, all my friends love yeah. Brizango. Yeah. Because you guys are fun. And this, so that's the thing is if, you know, if everybody in the back is going, man, they should use you guys. You guys are fun mm-hmm. to hang out with and you're funny, but nobody ever sees it and nobody like right. yourself well, reaches out and tries to help us, like, you'll yeah, never I, know. Right. I, I think. I think Road Dogs probably helped us out Huge. the most because I think he sees what he went sure. through just being a guy that wasn't really doing a lot and yeah, you yeah. know and then he was always in our corner like wanting stuff to happen and he would tell us all the time just be patient things take mm-hmm. things take time yeah, yeah things true. take time well you got to get over with the boss that's how it is yeah and you, you only have two hours you know yeah. on SmackDown we only have two hours and it fills up quick and if there's not you know hey this is the priority mm-hmm. then you might be lucky to squeak in there and you might not be let's talk about the fashion files where I noticed that you put the picture. Up on the wall and yeah, stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. How do you guys? Is that just let me try this, or how do you get it? That's actually one of my favorite parts, and yeah. uh, it's kind of one of those things where it just happens. And when we show up, like they've they've put all these subtle little Easter eggs in, and we show up, and we'll just stare at the board for a while and be like, "Oh, that's funny. That's cool. They came up with this one today." You know? Yeah. What and, are some uh, good ones? Uh, Chimmel is always on there. He's he's our he's our uh, our go to. He's been out every week. I Chimmel's think always Chimmel on, on the board. There. Chimmel. Uh, Chimmel. Michael Hayes has made his way up there several times. Uh, Michael. I think yeah. I was up there like, missing or something like yep. that. Was, yeah, yep. some, someone was telling me about that. Um, what else have we had? Enzo. Well, now that we just did, we just uh, did. Uh, what did Enzo like? Uh, 
Somebody. Some oh, because he kept getting attacked on Raw, and it, it said out of our jurisdiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we We're not allowed. We'd like that's to help. Way we can't. We can't. That's county lines, man. That's county lines. Yep. Yep. We're not allowed over the the red line. Yeah. <laughs> it was the best though, because like nobody's really off limits. Like the first yeah. one we did, I think it's they, kind of they, a cool little shots in, up there, and we're oh, like, all right, great. cool. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of a cool little inside thing, yeah, yeah. a little Easter egg to the to the fans. And now you guys have progressed, and now you're dressing up every week in a different outfits and different Yeah. Are they telling you this? you're going to do this week or are you kind of thinking about different things you want to do it was kind of a so it was a natural progression obviously everything has to yeah. evolve um, but the first one was Law and Order they wanted you know hey it's kind of cool let's parody Law and Order and we did I don't know two two or three episodes of that Yeah. and uh, then all of a sudden they said hey this is really good but we've already started putting together some intros for other shows like let's not just say Law and Order let's do everything and so now you know we've kind Miami of Vice, X-Files and we've touched Walker, all Texas stuff. Ranger oh my god <laughs> that was ridiculous and, yeah. and that's kind of thing man we can do anything right we're, we're kind of in that untouchable category. What do you do though when you're in the ring? So it's not just complete comedy, though. It's got to be a mix. Yeah. It has to be a perfect yeah. mix yeah. of the initial. They come out, they want to yeah. see us. Uh, you know, let's make them laugh a little bit, and then once they, you know, they they like us that we're the funny guys, and then once we start getting beat up, then they go, okay, let's see you guys, you know, mm-hmm. fight back, mm-hmm. and that's where you need to add in the other part. Because you're both really good workers too, which well, is you. which Thanks. is why really, there's a lot there to that as well. It's yeah, yeah. I, I think. Comedy bell to bell necessarily, mm-hmm. especially if you're wrestling the Usos for the mm-hmm. tag team championships. Overstated. If, if you, if you yeah. don't have that credibility, and the people are like, "These guys are clowns," right. then the Usos are beating up clowns, and there's no way we're going to beat them mm-hmm. because we're a joke. So I think we sprinkle in like the match we had in Chicago, mm-hmm. the little haha. But then once it gets serious. You gotta have them believe we're that done. we're gonna win, you know. Right, 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 you right. know, and then it's go time, and then that's when we kind of lose the deals, the costumes, and then mm-hmm. we get into what we can do, and that's work, you know. And that, that's where it's kind of trial and error too. Of like, even in that match, you can see by the end, like the people are on their feet, being like, "Please, like, oh, I was they can win." win. Yeah, and yeah. that that shows us that like, okay, we didn't overstay our welcome with the comedy stuff. I'm dressed up like a janitor and a grandma, <laughs> but they're still Dango's. You know, he's he's hitting some tornado DDTs and whatever else, and they're going, "Oh my, they're gonna win." They, they're 100. Mm-hmm. percent believe that we were going to win. Do you want to tell him the story about how the the Chicago match? Uh, so so we win oh, the number one contendership. So we win the number one contenderships, <laughs> and we're working the Usos in Chicago, and we're all excited because this is the first big. Yeah. You know, we've been working. We've, yeah. This is from dot com stuff yeah. we've been shooting. So we've been working really hard to get to this point. So Breeze and I are, we're talking before we get to Chicago. Like, man, we got to tear it up. We got to show the boss and everyone that you know we can go out yeah. and tear it up. So you, I'll let you, this is, I'll this, tag you in yeah. here. This was almost do or die for the gimmick. Like it was like a, if we don't have a good showing here, like I don't know if you come back from this. Yeah, right. And uh, pay per view Chicago. Of course, the crowd's mm-hmm. gonna be hot. They're gonna love it. And. Uh, we we start you know kind of putting ideas together of like oh man it's going to be this gritty tag team match with this you know uh, what good it? wrestling yeah. I want to do some good wrestling all this stuff. hip toss kick me off yeah. get it again you know like think about this dramatic we just want to show them we can go you know yeah. like think about this big dramatic match where the people are on the edge of their seat and somebody's handcuffed and it's just, you know we're cops so why wouldn't we have handcuffs and someone's getting beaten down and the people are just going come on and we got this idea in our head of like all right this is gonna be cool and uh, they go in we go okay how about this. No. <laughs> we go, oh, all right. Uh, well, then what do we do? And it just kind of got pitched as like a normal, like, okay, normal match. And we go, oh, man, like that's kind of a letdown. So now we're kind of like, all right, this will still be like, okay, but it's not what we had yeah, yeah, yeah. So then um, we end up going like, okay, well, we don't know what exactly was pitched. So let's just double check and make sure this was the right thing. So we end up going in and talking to Vince ourselves and we pitch it again. And it gets shut down again like, 
No, and it, it's kind of funny because it's the, you know, everybody explains the way that Vince does things where you're like, oh, he's kind of going for this. And then all of a sudden you're back to like, okay, you guys have a good normal match out there and we'll see you. And we go, what? <laughs> we're like, all right. So now we're back to the same thing. I'm like, all right, what should we do? So we're starting to put together a match. And uh, he goes, hey, Vince wants to see you guys. And it's getting late in the day. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Doors are at like six, right? We or were maybe it's... an hour and a half before the show started right now. Right. So so we're, we kind of got an idea we want to do. We changed it. Now we're trying to figure out what we're going to do before the doors open. Yep. It's getting to that time of the day where yeah, you got to get yeah. your shit together. And and, uh, and he goes, he wants to see you. He wants to call you back in. So we're all walking <laughs> to the office and, and we go, oh man, maybe he came around. Maybe we're having this match. So now our hopes are up again. And we go, we sit down. And I, what you could have, you know, we started here and we ended up miles away. Is we sit down and, uh, and Vince looks at me and he goes, you know, I just watched the fashion files. And he goes, you were dressing up. You were dressing up like a janitor, a girl. You had all this stuff. And uh, he goes, I want that. And, and we go, we go, we all look at each other like, what do you mean? And he goes, I want an entertainment match. I want bell to bell entertainment. Wow. And so we're all looking at each other going, how can we do this? And Usos being the tag champs and they're kind of, you know, they're on a roll. They're doing yeah, good. Yeah. And they go, how are we supposed to get heat on them? And Vince just goes, maybe there is no heat. And we, and we, we all look at each other. What? <laughs> No, he in a tag match, like a tag title match in Chicago, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. now all of a sudden we're starting to slump in our chairs. Like, well, I me, mean, I was we're, smiling. I go, we're about, <laughs> we're about right. to stink the joint out in Chicago, dude. Like, we're oh. so we left there. Oh. We got an hour before the show, and we're like, this is either going to be really, really good, yeah, or awful. awful. It was were, one of those deals. Like, it's going to be great Dango, or really, really bad. You specifically looked at me, and and you go, I think this is a rib. <laughs> and, I, and I go, I go, I don't know, man. And I, I full out went into pout mode. And I was yeah. sitting on the ground, and Usos were sitting there, and they're kind of smiling. And then I, they're like, "So Breeze, what do you think of this?" And this, and I go, "I don't know, man. I, I have no clue. I, I, I don't even know how to start to put this thing together." Yeah. yeah. And all of a sudden, like we all just kind of clicked and hit this groove of like, "We're like, you know what? If we're gonna do this. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of just eh, let's not let's get over yeah. it. This is what he wants. Right. Let's just yeah. go out there and make it the best we can. Yep. We go out there. Honestly, it was the best one of the best matches I've had. It couldn't. Have and been we come better. back, and I just he's he's smart, man. Vincent, he well, knew. Yeah. He knew. He like is a he's a smart guy, man. Even even like going back to, to when I, he told yeah. me to work with you, when I had this Ryback thing in my head, and actually it was like it was a taker. I was like, what am I supposed to do? He's never had a match. And everybody's he goes, we'll do it. Yep. What Vince, it's what Vince wants. Yeah. And so once you're like. Yeah, it is what he wants, and yeah. then you put your mind to it, and suddenly it becomes great. Yeah, because if yeah. all of us did whatever we wanted to do, yep. it would be WCW where there's no boss, yeah, everyone exactly. just do whatever the f- they want to do, yeah. and it turns into a big cluster. F- yeah. yeah, the boss is smart. Yeah, and that's what's well, the reason why he's been doing so well, you exactly. know, <laughs> with all the successes yeah. with all of us. Yeah. It really, it really couldn't have worked out better. It's a good learning lesson, like yeah. as, yeah. as we put it together, yeah. good learning lesson. Yeah. As we put it together, we actually started smiling and laughing and having a blast, being like, yeah. This might great. work, yeah. man. Yeah. And as we're out there, and like, you know, the people are chanting, Let's go, grandma, or D- Dango <laughs> starts doing stuff, and they're pe- the people were literally thinking we were going to win. Yeah, and we come back, and it was like the, the only standing ovation that I've got in, yeah. in Gorilla of everybody. Not, and they go, Great mine. job, great job. Yeah, you can get it. Yeah, and they go, Great job, great job, great job, great job. And we go, Man, that was way better. great. Yeah, and you know what? We didn't even take that many bumps. No. It's amazing how the business works. Yeah, you know? yeah. I go, I go. Yeah. I didn't learn this part in wrestling school. I'm like dress up like a janitor and whatever. That was, that was a fun. Night. Last couple of things we're talking about these great characters that you guys are playing on uh, on Southpaw. Mm. Uh, Chet Chatterson. What's the inspiration? Ch- Cheddarfield. Sorry, I keep saying, I keep Damn it, man! Actually, Come on, Bosky. I haven't said that on the show. And Chet is like it's Cheddarfield. Damn it, it's Bosky, Cheddarfield. Bosky's yeah. losing it. Is that based on somebody? Um. 
It's no, I Bobski on Ed Wayland. Yeah, I can tell. Yeah, yeah yep. totally. Honestly, the last um, the last time we shot the first time we shot South Bar, yeah. um, John and I went in and sat down, and I literally just kind of came up with it on the fly, and just I didn't have that much verbiage, so I'm like, you know what, I'm just gonna act like I'm drunk the whole time. Cheddarfield's so. Europe Dango. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I request. I want to look as shitty as possible, you know. Mission but it just as we kept filming, I kind of. Figured out who this guy was, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's a dirtbag. And then, <laughs> and then on the next season, which we just aired the rest of it today, you're gonna figure out why uh, Chet is Chet. What? Why is this guy such a dirtbag? And then it's damaged, man. You're, you're gonna figure out on the next. Uh, on <laughs> the, the, next, story continues. the story continues. Where'd you get Mr. McElroy from? Uh, you know, they just they they kind of pitched the deal of you know, hey, you're the you're the evil banker. And I go, oh, cool, man. Like, yeah, I love stuff like this. And they go, I go, what's the name? They say, oh, don't know. You, you got to come up with one. And I don't know how the brain works, man. Like, you just yeah. you just come up. All of a sudden, it's McElroy. That's, that's the one. And they go, what, really? I said, yeah, Mr. McElroy. My two favorite lines in the first one was, uh, Clint is a piece of shit. <laughs> and two was, he's a creature from the sea. I call him the sea creature. <laughs> Both those things. Because when we filmed last time, I had no idea what was going on. I just thought, you know, yeah. like 10 cents in here, there. But to watch it back, I was howling yeah. at how great everybody was. The whole yeah. show, man. Yeah, this guy was better than the next. It was great, yeah. You know? Everybody, the whole show from start to finish is really well fun done. to watch. Really well done. It's That's really actually fun. why I'm here today, uh, is was to film that, that show, Southpaw, and to talk to you guys. And now I got roped into yeah. having a match. Six. You came for came for Southpaw, <laughs> stayed for SmackDown, man. We got him here. <laughs> What's your uh, last question? What's your favorite match you ever had? Breeze is the one that stands out. I mean, there's a bunch that stand out. Um, I would probably say the one that gets brought up the most. Uh, two, I got narrowed down to the Fatal Four Way that I have for NXT. Um, with, with Neville, Sami Zayn, and Tyson Kidd for the title. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, that one kind of is, I would say, the the kind of the the performance one yeah. in terms of like, hey, we're, we were the main event, a uh, lot of uh, pressure on us, and it delivered. It's mm-hmm. one of the ones that kind of gets remembered. Um, but then you know, working in Brooklyn with Liger, oh, yeah. was you know one of. I bet you Liger really liked your gimmick. He he, he was the coolest. Yeah, uh, he like, gets that. Stuff. Even even just you know him being him, like he's you know in a category yeah. of his own. Yeah. And I'm telling him like, hey man, I said if you want to grab the selfie stick and do whatever, and he goes, oh really? And I really? said, of course. I said, and he goes, thank you, thank you. I said, no, thank you. Like this is cool, man. I said, do whatever you want. And he he was smiling the whole time, like just having a blast. And I I loved working with him. He gets it. And it's also kind of cool, you know, just a little side note for me of like, hey man, he's he's worked here once. And I was the guy who you worked. You were the him. one guy, yeah. You know what I mean, who knows if he comes back and works again. That's but... a lot of trust for the office to put you with like Exactly. They don't want to have him come in and have a stinker or whatever. Exactly. Like, and and that was actually the first time that we had the big show in Brooklyn in front of, you know, 15, 16,000 yeah, people. Yeah, center, yeah. Yeah, so that was a huge deal. That's and that cool, one yeah. kind of holds a special place for me. How about you, Daniel? Um... I think it was 2009. I got to work a summer with my best friend Joe Henning, and nice. yeah, we we had some matches for Dusty down in FCW, and it's something different, which you probably know about working with Lance. When you work, you're like best friend. Um, you're not afraid to give some potatoes, but <laughs> we were still learning at the time, you know, trying to figure out how to structure TV matches because we just started doing TV in Florida, so trying to hit our breaks and time cues and. Oh, yeah. It was a cool learning experience to 
come back with one of your best friends and have that feeling that you knew you just had a good match. Totally, yeah. yeah, so getting to share that with one of your yeah. close friends and then going out and have a couple beers after. It's cool. Those, those, those are, yeah, yeah. I remember those moments. Those yeah, moments, for yeah. sure. All right, dudes. Well, it's time for us to go out there. I think I heard that uh, uh, Matias Wild versus the Portuguese Sunder. <laughs> And I'm going over. Yeah, we want people to stay, right? <laughs> whether, whether you like it or not. A big Portuguese market here. Yeah. <laughs> In Richmond, Virginia. Yeah. Thanks again to Brizango, Tyler Breeze, and Fandango. Fandango, Fan Dodge Durango, Fan. I see a little silhouette of a man. Scaramouche, Scaramouche, can you do the Fandango? I love that. I had a great time with those guys, and there are new episodes of Southpaw Regional Wrestling coming up very soon. You can find them uh, first season on YouTube. Very funny stuff. Speaking of funny, Team Tiger, awesome, hilarious, ridiculous headlines. Here you go. And now it's time for the modern farmer. This week, aphids. Aphids were first thought of as the scourge of the sea. Ancient mariners lost many ships to the cavernous bellies of the aphid. Pirates first brought them ashore in 16th century Central and South America as a bloody rebuke against the greed and corruption of the old world land gentry. But that's ancient aphid history. How do aphids affect the modern farmer? Let's ask one. There's leaves. There's just leaves on everything, you know. And so what, I'm supposed to look on the underside of every damn leaf for these damn aphids? Cause, cause I got, I got 60 hours in my days? No, I can't. And then you can't spray them off cause they just hold on. So the hose to, who taught ants to harvest bugs that are on the underside? <sighs> damn it. For more of the Marjan Farmer, listen to the Team Tiger Awesome Show every Sunday on the Jericho Network, right here on Podcast One. Subscribe to the Team Tiger Awesome Show at Apple Podcasts. Be sure to leave them a five-star rating and review. Leave all the Jericho Network podcasts, five-star ratings and reviews at Apple Podcasts. Killing the Town with Storm and Cyrus. Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. The Raven Effect. Great stuff from Raven. If you haven't checked out this podcast, it's one of my favorites I listen to. And the Flagship Show. Keeping it 100 with Conan. Beyond the Darkness giving you a paranormal fix every weekday with brand new episodes Monday through Friday. And big thank yous to all the great sponsors of Talk is Jericho. Uh, A&E, Season 2 of A&E's groundbreaking docuseries, Leia Rimenez, Scientology in the Aftermath, Season 2 premiering August 15th. Don't forget True Car and Geico for your uh, vehicular needs. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Keep listening for the 60-second AP News headlines coming up next. And on Wednesday, uh, who do we got on Wednesday? Oh, it's good. WWE Women's Champion Naomi is going to be here. Yeah, you want it, you got it. Feel the glow with Naomi here on Wednesday. Have a great weekend. In the meantime and in between time, stay hard, stay hungry, peace, love, and hugs, and a big yeah, boy, to all of you and yours. Listen to new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday on the Podcast One app, or subscribe at Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com.